Welcome to the Thrive Church weekly message. We hope you enjoy this message and we pray that it blesses you. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit thrivechurch.co.nz. start and um, just give uh, a lot of honor to the Salvation Army this morning. Like, I've got a, uh, a story here I just want to read, or the account of William uh, William and Catherine Booth. These guys were the foundation um, uh, pastors, uh, directors of the Salvation Army about 150 years ago, and that, that something got set alight in, uh, in William Booth's heart. And so, This is that account. It says, When William Booth burst in the door of his home late one night in 1865 and exclaimed to his wife, wife Catherine, Darling, I have found my destiny. He had been walking through the slums of of the east end of London. (laughs) That doesn't sound like much of a destiny, does it? It says, That glimpse of hell on earth was the catalyst for Booth's primary vision. He said this, it's pretty nitty-gritty. He said, I saw a dark and stormy ocean. In that ocean, I thought I saw myriads of poor human beings plunging and floating, shouting and shrieking, cursing and struggling and drowning. And as they cursed and screamed, they rose and shrieked again, and then some sank to rise no more. It gets better, all right? That's pretty, pretty gnarly. And then he says, I saw out of this dark, angry ocean a mighty rock that rose up with its summit towering high above the black clouds that overhung the stormy sea. And all around uh, the base of this rock, I saw a vast platform. On this platform, I saw with delight a number of the poor people struggling, drowning, wretches continually climbing out of this angry ocean. And I saw that a few of those who were already safe in the platform were helping the poor creatures still in the angry waters to reach the place of safety. As I looked on, I saw that the occupants of that platform were quite a mixed mixed company, but only very few of them seemed to make it their business to get the people out of the sea. Though all had been rescued at one time or another from the ocean, nearly everyone seemed to have forgotten all about it. These people did not seem to have any care, that is, any agonizing care about the poor perishing ones who were struggling and drowning before their eyes. This was the vision that just, like it was a supernatural vision that, um, that William saw. And then it says this, I'll just keep reading. So the Salvation Army was called into existence. Booth was persuaded that the depths of social deprivation that the Salvation Army was encountering had made it too difficult for many people to hear and understand the message of salvation. He decided he had to do something about hell on earth as well as hell hereafter. Although the army was already engaged in social action, Booth came to see the need for more fences at the tops of cliffs, as well as ambulances at the bottom. Sometimes he even tried to do something about leveling the cliffs themselves. He saw that society, as well as the individuals comprising it, needed to be saved. 
And so Booth began to describe uh, another extended vision, and in it he saw such things as homes for tramps, transportation for removing slum dwellers from one part of the world to another, land colonies evolving into salvation cities, orphanages becoming villages, and salvation headquarters in every town and city. By late in Booth's life, his vision encompassed not only salvation from hell in this uh, world and for heaven in the next, but the salvation within this world as well. It's pretty awesome, eh? What an amazing picture. What an amazing catalyst a vision can be for our lives uh, to, to actually move us beyond our comfort zone and beyond our world. And still today, like even in New Zealand, uh, the Salvation Army helped more than 120,000 families and individuals each year with budgeting advice, food, clothing, and skills-based programs, um, and other comfort and support, as well as their Sunday morning, you know, church services. Man, I, I just want to celebrate that beautiful dimension of the heart of God for a lost world, for a broken world that has happened and still happening through the Salvation Army. They're awesome. God, we just pray you'd bless their mission in this town. We just pray you'd raise up leaders and ones that carry a heart to bring that kind of radical love into our community, God. And this morning, we just open our hearts, God, to be ones who would actually be ready to go, to be ready to respond into the sphere that we're called to in life, God. Lord, we don't want to hold back. We don't want to shy away. We don't want to just say it's someone else's problem, God. We want to say and we want to own the call that you've placed on our hearts as, as individuals and as a church, in Jesus' name, amen. Um, I'm just going to read from Acts 3 this morning, this awesome account, one of my favorite stories in the Bible of the church getting real in a moment. It says this, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, and he was put every day, uh, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him as did John, and then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and he began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that an amazing story, an amazing picture, amazing uh, uh, frame of actually what the church is called to do on its way into the temple, on its way into church, that the, the we're called to actually bring the world with us. We're, we're called to carry ones in with us. We're called to release the love of Christ outside of our Sunday morning context into the lives of individuals. Isn't that awesome, church? That is our call, this, this message is called, if it had a name, I guess it's called, let's, let's take God's real big love to the world until the world is filled with God's real big love. 
That's a big title. This comes in with our follow closer, love stronger theme this morning, that this is the, 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 the greater the revelation that we have of the love of Christ, the more radical we can put on the display of His love through our lives. So this morning, I'm just going to break open the who, the where, the what, and the why of why we should bother to actually reveal the love of Christ to our community, to our world. And so when you look at this story of Peter and John, we see uh, the who right there. Peter, he was, the, he was actually the first church leader. After Jesus, of course, Jesus is the cornerstone. But Jesus said to Peter, didn't he? He said, hey, you're Peter. And on you, on you, on you, the rock, I am going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. He saw something on Peter's life and he said, there's an apostolic call to lead. There's a place and a position for you to bring breakthrough and to carry on and to begin this legacy of the church. And who's with him? John is with him. And I love the writings of John. He calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. He calls it, he, he knows that he's loved by God. And then you, you read his, his writings, the book of John, and then 1 John, 2 John, 3, what has it got? 3 John. Uh, <laughs> and, and he carried this immense revelation of the love of the Father. He said things like, we love because he first loved us. He's carrying that. That's who he was. He said that there's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. If you've got fear in your life today, it's working against the love of God that is for you and He is with you and He wants you to know that security and the presence of His goodness within every aspect of your life. And, and love and fear, just, they're, just, they're not friends. <laughs> like the cross came between that, separated you from fear and sin and guilt and shame and death. And, and life and love is released into your life through Jesus Christ. Like that's the story right there. So it's Peter and John, and they are the, they're the guys, they're the who, that they, they were walking to the gate, they were going to go through the gate. So here in Peter and John is the church. These guys are the church, and they've got, this is you and I, they've got the authority to preach and to teach and put on to display the love of Jesus Christ uh, through their lives. And so what are they doing? They're going to the temple. They're going to church. They're going into this place, and in this context, this temple, it symbolizes the kingdom of God. It symbolizes a presence encounter with God Himself, but they're not just going there and ignoring who's around them. They're like, who can I move towards as I'm moving towards the encounter with God? Who can I bring in to this place? Who can I invite into this place of intimacy with God? And who can I see healed along the way so that we can go to the temple together, so that we can go to church together, so that we can become the church together to let the love of Christ out in our world? So I love it that they're moving towards others as they go. And I can imagine that as they're going, the words of Jesus are ringing loud and clear in their ears, where Jesus said in Matthew 5, you, turn to your neighbor and say, you, come on, with some conviction, you are the light of the world. That's it. 
A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl and said they put it on its stand and it has prominence, it has preeminence and, it's, and it gives light to everyone in the, ha- in the house. In the same way, let your, everybody say your, let your light shine before others. You have a light, it is your light. It is your realm to steward. It is your goodness. It is, it is who you are. It is Christ in you. It is the light of the world that is in you. It's not the person sitting next to you. It's not their problem. This light is your problem. What are you going to do with it? Sorry, I'm shouting at you. I love you. <laughs> and then it says that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Like, did you know that God's gone ahead of you, it says in Ephesians, and he's prepared good works in advance for you to do? He, there's something about you that, 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 you know, there's something about us, okay, us. I'm in this too. It's not all your problem. It's my problem. <laughs> there's something about us that Jesus is saying, hey, I need you to own the fact that you're the light. I, I need you to actually see that, that you, that, that, that it's your light to shine. And I love this here because you can see that, uh, that Peter and John, have, they're owning that revelation. They're going into the temple. They're going into encounter. They're going, you know, into pray. But they're like, I've got this other thing on the way that I just, I can't be dim. I can't be vague. I can't be hidden under a bowl. I actually, I'm actually called to shine. And so they're bringing people with them into the temple. So where is the crippled man, I hear you ask? Where is he? Where, where, where was he lying? Where, 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 where was that place? And, and, and it says, the word says that the crippled man is outside the temple. He's actually in the dark. He's outside. He can't get into the temple on his own. No one has been able to get him beyond the gate, it looks like. He's outside the kingdom of heaven and he cannot save himself. The Bible says that the world, that they carried him to the temple, to the gateway every day. Do you know the world cannot get us saved? The world cannot save itself. The world can only carry us so far. Like science can only take us so far. Technology can only take us so far. Like, you know, but Jesus Christ can take us all the way. You know, we, the world hasn't got the answers for the questions of eternity in our heart. You know, the Bible says that, that God has put eternity in the hearts of man, but man cannot fathom this. We're all, we all know that death is not right, that death is an injustice, that, that God didn't create humanity to die, but that He created Adam and Eve. He created them for eternity. That's why when we suffer death, we, it's just confusing. It's just loss was never, we were never meant to deal with loss. But Jesus, once again, he's made a way so that we can live in eternity through him. But the world is trying to get through the gate, but it cannot. It is, it's on the outside. This man, he is alone. He is begging for mercy. He's incapable of saving himself or being saved by others. All they can do is throw him some money to get him through another day. I don't know if you were here this morning and you're just like, man, same stuff, different day. Like, that is not the abundant life that Christ has actually has for you. 
He has got a life of abundance, of joy, and of promise. He's got a life so that you know that your, your existence goes far beyond just tomorrow, just by survival, uh, into a place of, of significance and, and engaged with the goodness of God. So that's where he is. He is on the outside. But what time is it? This is interesting. What time is it? Why are you saying what time is it? Well, actually, in the Scripture, it says here, that it, that it was a specific time. It was one thing, it was time for the church and for the light of the world to enter the scene. But the text spe- specifically says that it's three o'clock. In the Jewish uh, kind of um, system, this is also known as the ninth hour. Now, the, um, in the Jewish context as well, this was also the time for regular prayer. But in the Christian context, as in a Christ follower, a, a love stronger uh, context, three o'clock is actually the hour of mercy. See, at three o'clock, it's the same hour that Jesus Christ died. It's the hour that salvation paid its price. It's the hour of freedom. It's the hour where sin's long reign, where brokenness long reign is finished. And Jesus cried out, it's finished. It's the hour of mercy. It's the hour for the church to go and take that. It is finished. Your pain is finished. Message out into the world. It's the hour to show great mercy. It's the hour to bring new hope. It's the hour to go, people. It's the hour. I love this verse from 1 Corinthians 2.5. And I believe that there are people actually out there waiting for this moment, and this moment is only going to ever reach them because you and I took that moment, took Christ into that moment. And this is the scripture, in the day of my favor, I heard you, and in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Jesus, our world needs this message now. Our, our, our world needs hope now. I, I don't want you and I don't want me to put this off till tomorrow. I don't want to say, oh, it's just the churches. You know, it's easy to say, oh, it's just the church that loves people. And it's just the church that does this. And it's just the, you know, and we come to church and it's easy just to say, well, that's the church. Well, actually, you're the church. <laughs> I'm the church. We're all the church. This is something, attention. This is you or the light. This is a you tension. Like this is an us, but we all have a lane to run in to reveal the light of God to the world. And, and then it says today, uh, you know, today is that day. And the text says that he leapt up, stood and walked around and went to the temple with them, walking and jumping and praising God, and he has entered through the gate, which symbolizes moving into the realm of the kingdom of God, into relationship with the Father, into a place that he could only get to when others carried him so far. Now he was able to get up and go on his own. Why did he enter? I want to just tell you very briefly that he entered because of the church. He entered because Peter and John took a hold of the now moment and release the grace of God through their lives into his life. The grace that came to him, it didn't just come in in some kind of deep, personal, private way. He didn't 
hug a tree. He didn't climb a mountain on his own. He didn't, he didn't just kind of like, he, he, he didn't come to this conclusion by himself. It, it came to him, the grace of God came to this man through the ministry of the church. And he entered in because Peter and John understood that they were the ones to bring the love of Christ to the world. Like you and I, he entered the temple because the church was alive. It was alive on Monday. It was alive on Tuesday. It was alive on Wednesday. It was alive on Thursday, on Friday, on Saturday, and then celebrated on Sunday. The church was alive. And I love it. Peter doesn't just speak life to him, but he takes him by the hand and he raises him up. <laughs> it reaches down. Maybe it got on his knees. Maybe it, it got a bit dirty. It reached the church, reached right down, reached right down into his world. And, and, I, and I know that the church is not just here just to preach the word of God. She is created to stretch out her hand through practical demonstrations that declare, I'm reaching out to you. I love you. I want to meet you. I want to practically, I don't want to just declare the promises over you, but I want to get into your scene and I want to actually engage with your pain. I want to engage at your level and recognize where you're at so I can pull you up out of that place. And so, and I love it as they did that, the supernatural was released, hey? Faith and healing. And he was able to stand up on, a, you know, on his own after he was reached down to and pulled up by the church. And, and we, I love what Deb was leading through this morning with, that, with, with healing, and we are all about that. But I believe also that we're called to go and be uh, the love of Christ through practical demonstration because liberation is the Father's dream, isn't it? <laughs> like that's why he sent Jesus to set captives and prisoners free from their personal hell. And so, you know, and he said, um, and the word says, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And Peter and John, what did they do? They gave what they'd been given. They gave the one and only son through their demonstration of the Father's love. Revealing God's love and generosity to the one who could not get any closer to the kingdom without the response of the church. He, was, he, was, he, could, he needed the church. Our community needs the church. Our neighbors need the church. Our young people need the church. Social media needs the church. We need the church, the church, the church. This town needs the church. This region needs the church. You are the church. Come on. We're created to bring radical love. Acts 4. It's the next day. The next day. It's the next chapter. And the religious leaders are dialoguing with Peter and with John about the healed man. I think, I think they'd actually sent him to prison the night before as well, perhaps. And they said, by what power or what name did you do this? And Peter then said, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. There's no other name. This is Jesus. And then they had this profound moment, and it says this, I love this, 
when they saw the courage of Peter and John, that is the religious people, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. I don't know what you think in your life that you need uh, to, to move towards others. What do I need? I don't have enough. I'm not clever enough. I'm not curry. I'm an introvert. You know, I just don't, don't, I don't want to go there. I, I, I want to tell you that your true identity and your ability to respond in love comes through your connection with Jesus Christ. It doesn't come through a strength finder test. It doesn't come through those things that will say that you're this sort of person and not that sort of person. Everyone is called to love. Everyone is called to a generous spirit. Everyone is called into the supernatural. Everyone is a part of this. And they, because they said, silver or gold, I do not have. And, and, and the world is always going to say, and we're always going to feel like we're not ready. We're not ready to move. We're not ready to go. We're not ready to reach out. And, but they said, in the name of Jesus Christ, you know, be healed. They rested their faith on Jesus, not their stuff, not their education, not their history. And that was recognized by the religious people. Who are these people? They're unschooled. <laughs> They're ordinary. Do you feel ordinary? Sometimes I'm just feeling ordinary. But that, yeah. Nah, 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 nah. We're supernatural. We're naturally supernatural. We're not ordinary. When I was um, 17, about 17 years old, um, I had a conversation with a lady across the fence. Her name was Mary Pettigrew. And I wasn't a part of any church or anything uh, at that time. And we just had, she was always someone that just radiated joy. Uh, just a, a lovely, lovely person. And I, she just struck up a conversation with me. And um, I remember her just having this incredible warmth around her life. And she said, hey, are you a, do you go to church or anything like that? And I said, no, but I actually... I do know that God is real and that sort of thing. She said, hey, why, why don't you go to a youth group? Why don't you go to my brother's youth group, whose name was Peter Woods? And, and, and so I just thought, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go. So I went to this youth group, and I, I, my life just got set on a different course. Like what she did, it wasn't particularly radical. It wasn't particularly like, wow, that was amazing. That was, how did she actually have a conversation with you, Glenn? <laughs> well, she just talked and she shared a good idea. <laughs> and, and, and that's what radical love can look like. It can look just like a conversation. This is not out of your education. Everyone here can talk. Everyone here can smile. Everyone here can invite. And I want to encourage you, church, to, be, to have an invitation mindset. Like, come into my world. Like, come and be a part. That doesn't mean just come to church the first Sunday that you meet someone. It's like, come and look at what God's doing. Look at how generous I am. Look at, I care about you. I, I want to meet you. I want to, even if there's a fence in between us, I want to actually still have a conversation with you. You know, God wants to use those moments as catalysts for the goodness of his love to flow through. And that is testimony to uh, my life. I wonder if we can just have the band up. That'd be awesome. Hmm. And one John, this is John again, John and Peter. 
1 John 4, 8. He says this, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. I love that verse because there's a problem there and then there's a solution. <laughs> Whoever does not love, oh, that's an issue. Oh, you know, and I have moments in my life, I'm certainly not, I haven't made the, uh, yeah, I'm not fully there, but I'm on the way. And I know that I can only do with my life, with my family, to, and into this church and and occasionally into the Marcus place when I'm at, at the business. <laughs> I can't really do that because I, I know I've got God's love in my heart. I know. And, and when you know that love, you know that fear actually is not the governing body of our lives. Because fear and faith, they just don't work. Fear and courage don't work. Fear and love do not work. And that's, that scripture says, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And it's a challenge as well, isn't it? Because we're actually saying, hey, if you knew that you were loved by God, then we'd all turn up here, potentially next Sunday, hypothetically just saying, with incredible testimonies of how God has used us, how we've been able to go and bring light and bring healing and bring courage and bring... So this is not a try harder sermon. This is a follow closer message. This is a, hey, how about we open our hearts up to Jesus Christ in new ways? And this is a, Father, just take me as I am. I want to know your love that I can actually be used to bring that kind of love. I wonder if you just stand with me in this moment. Maybe you're actually here this morning and you're like, man, I feel like they're crippled. (laughs) That's okay. That is totally okay. And you know that your life has actually only taken you so far because you've been just going on your own strength. Maybe others have carried you at times and maybe others have provided support for you, but you actually don't have peace in your heart. You don't have a security and a sense of belonging to this world, of belonging to the Father and there's a feeling of disconnect around your life, I just want to give you an opportunity this morning to respond, to leave outside the temple behind and to stand up into His grace and walk by the grace of God into the presence of God. There's not anyone in this building this morning that God's eyes are not on. He is looking and He knows your heart. Maybe you're here today and you're like, man, I've been a Christian for donkey's years. But I actually just still, I just desire a deeper encounter with the love of the Father. I want to know what, I'm not satisfied with the level of love that I know and that is flowing through me. Let me just pray. And then I'm just going to give an opportunity for you to respond and come up the front. Just to meet with the Father this morning, to meet with love. He is love. He doesn't have any other agenda over your life to control you or manipulate you, just to love you. Holy Spirit, we just welcome your presence, your amazing presence into this room. We just thank you that you died for us, that you sent your one and only Son, Father, so that we wouldn't die, but we'd have everlasting life.
this morning, we just want to take a hold of your love in new ways. We just let go of our past, any images that our parents have even imprinted on our heart that did not represent your love. We bless them, but we just release that. We release them. We thank you that we came from you and only through them. Holy Spirit, just more, more of your love. We want to follow you closer. We just ask for deeper, deeper encounters this morning, God, just for lives who have been here for years and just want more, Lord. I just pray that you give, just give them their heart's desire this morning. We just say yes to you. Yes to your love. Yes to your goodness. Yes to knowing who you are. This morning you're here and you're like, man, I just, I feel that. (laughs) Or I want to feel that. I want to know that. I just want to invite you to come out of your seats in this moment just for a a step of faith, just like that movement, that physical obedience bringing spiritual release, that sense of like, I'm going to be courageous right now. I don't have that kind of love. I don't have evidence of that. I want to walk into that. If that's you today, I just want to invite you to come out out of your seat right now. Right now. We're just going to start singing a song, just a worship song, and we just want to pray over you this morning as you come out. Thanks, team. Thanks for listening. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit thrivechurch.co.nz.